0: the power of their data Wasabi, another Boston based championship team. This is A's Cast Live. Your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2 2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Gold for it! Cody Bellinger hits one out. He's on. So he's your home derby. Champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend.
1: What is happening everybody? Happy Tuesday. Hope you had a good day off yesterday as the Athletics continue their road trip to in San Diego and then four against the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. We've got a fantastic show for you. Jesse Rogers, ESPN, and ESPN Chicago, as the A's got a new lefty out of Chicago, so we'll find out about this new lefty at 415. Martin Gallegos from MLB.com at 430. What else is going to happen with the A's? we got a few days before the deadline. Mark Feinstein is going to join us uh, from MLB and the MLB network. We'll be here at five. And then Mark Sweeney, remember the former left-handed hitter, played a lot of his career, San Diego, LA, the Giants, a few other teams had a really good career. Now does television for the Padres. He is going to join us at 530, better known as Swing Dog. Commander Cody, I need to to come clean and admit something right now. Are you ready? How was your day off?
2: It was good. Uh, well, we'll get to what you you and Alex Jensen did yesterday. How how you guys did on the golf uh, course. But what do you need that, to admit?
1: That that was um, really bad golf yesterday.
2: That that that's what we, that not what that's not what you're going to admit, is it? That you're going to give up golf or?
1: No, no, no. Uh, I should. <laughs> I woke up. I I I swung so many times yesterday. I woke up today sore. I was so. I'm like, oh my god. Um, Normally, as you know, and a lot of people know, I was born and raised in San Diego, but I've lived in the Bay Area my entire adult life. So normally I get on these text threads when the A's take on the Padres and I talk a lot of trash. And I'll rip the pod. My friends were Padre fans and saying, now you got to play a big boy American League team. Let's see how it goes. And let's face it. The A's have done well against the Padres over the years. But right now I'm afraid I'm not popping off to these guys. Now they're attacking me as we speak and they want to do bets and all that kind of stuff. Cause I've won, you know, all these different bets because the A's have done well against the Padres. But right now I'm trying to stay out of this text thread. Cause I don't feel good about this. I mean, what happened to our team? What happened to, I mean, you should start, you go to you, right now, go look at it. Sean Murphy hitting 212. Seth Brown hitting 201. Matt Chapman hitting 218. Elvis is hitting 232. They only have one guy in their lineup. They only have one guy in their lineup hitting under 260. We only have one guy over 260. I mean, at some point, you got to start figuring it out. And I—I I, I, none of these guys' averages are going to be good. You, you do not have enough time to change this season. You just don't. And I'm hoping that these guys are going to be able just to put that out of their mind. Don't look up at the scoreboard. Just don't care about that. Start fresh today on. We're, we're, we're now getting into that. We're picking up the pace of this race. Right. And before you know it, we're going to blink and it's going to be a full on sprint to the finish line. But, you know, whether you're making moves, Chafin, I can't wait to meet him. He seems like a really interesting guy and he's having a phenomenal year. He ranks third among National League relievers in opponents batting average. Opponents OPS ERA. I mean, he's having a good year. But none of that's going to matter if they don't hit. And I don't know what David can do. I don't know what David has that would land a big bat. I don't know what you'd want in our system. Our system's not rated very high. So if, if the Baseball Americas of the world don't believe in our system, I doubt there's other GMs that are out there going, "This is a great system." I mean, you're not going to get up Soderstrom. I mean, you just—I mean, this is a, this is a guy you think is going to be in the big leagues for many, many years. So I really don't know what we have to land a big bat, but commander something's got to happen. Cause you can't, you can't keep losing these one run games and wasting good starting pitching. The A's now 15 and 18 in one run games to where, what was the final last night between the M's and the uh, Astros?
2: I think it was 11, eight was the final Mariners one over the Astros.
1: So Mariners are major league best, 23-8 and eight in one-run games. And if you looked at the A's and the Mariners, they look like two teams heading in opposite directions. I hate to say that after that series, but it, it's true. And the, Mar- and the Mariners went down and won again in Houston. There's something going on in Seattle. They haven't been to the playoffs since 2001, but they're starting to feel it. And they're not talking about being in rebuild mode anymore. And Jerry Depoto, their general manager, is a wheeler and a dealer. So I wouldn't be shocked to see them add. Remember when we were talking about getting Kendall Graveman? That that would be like perfect for the A's. He's cheap. Melvin likes him. He's got a bunch of buddies on the team. Like he and Bassett still talk all the time. Everybody loves Kendall Graveman. He's he's a sweet kid. I always like Kendall. He's one of those guys where you say he was raised right. He's good people. He would have been a perfect fit for the A's, wouldn't he? And now a power right-hander throwing 97 with that movement that he's always had. And if you watch that series, you know, Kendall must have done some serious work during Tommy John surgery. Because look how big his legs are. His his He just looks thicker. His neck, his shoulders, and that's why he's throwing so hard. I would have loved to have Kendall Graveman back, but I think there's no way they're going to trade Kendall Graveman now.
2: Yeah, because I've been listening to some of the uh, the pundits on TV and uh, Buster Only's podcast. Although Buster was out today, so David Schoenfeld hosted, and he's a Mariners fan, so he's trying to figure out if they're going to buy or sell. And I mean, I'm kind of I kind of agree. I can see the Mariners being in the middle where they they add and subtract from their roster. I mean, Jared Kelnick, who we thought was going to be the future. It's hitting one oh two for them right now. Yeah, I he mean doesn't,
1: he doesn't he doesn't look like a super prospect. I'm just gonna be real honest. Watching that, he looks you know what he looks like? He looks overmatched.
2: Oh, that's what I was gonna say. He looks overmatched. And he drew a big walk last night in that game against the Astros in Seattle. But the Mariners are twenty three and eight in one run games. Since nineteen hundred, I saw this this note. The best record in one run games. There's three teams ahead of them. the 2016 Rangers are 36 and 11 the 2012 Orioles are 29 and 9 and the 1981 Orioles are 21 and 7. The 2016 Rangers and 2012 Orioles both made the postseason. So the Mariners at 23 and 8 uh, have a chance to make the postseason they're one game back from the A's they have a minus 49 run differential but they're 24 and 11 since June 13th. so they're hot.
1: That's what I'm saying. If you, if you watched our series and then you watched last night, they're a team that's feeling it. And I took calls over the weekend. You may not have heard because I was on to like 1230 at night. But I had calls going, oh, the Mariners aren't for real. What? Don't worry about what they did earlier in the season. Do, worry about what they're doing now. And they are just a game back of the A's for the second wild card. Think about
3: that.
2: Yeah, and, and you mentioned the, the team batting average for the A's. The The A's team batting average right now, I think, is around. Let me, I just, I switch because I want to see the Mariners team OPS. The A's team batting average is 233. That's 25th in baseball. The Mariners are dead last at 219. Dead last. It doesn't matter. But d- it doesn't, yeah. They're, they're, they're third last in team OPS, where the team that the A's are playing tonight, the Padres, are ninth in baseball in team batting average at 244. They have a good team OPS. And they went out and got an all-star, and Adam Frazier. Which funny, I was at the game where Frazier got traded when the Pirates lost to the Giants. Frazier was playing in the game, and then I find out I look at my phone and I see he's getting traded. And it was just a wild scene uh, for when that happened. So the Padres add on it for their chances to the challenge the Dodgers and Giants. But the Mariners are coming, and they're th- they're. We thought they were going to be a year away, and remember remember that story we read earlier in the year how. It was the Mariners could win the AL West, and we kind of laughed at it. They're not going to win the AL West, but they could realistically make a whoa, chance. Whoa, if-
1: whoa, whoa! We still got two months of baseball to go.
2: Yeah, and the Astros bullpen's not very good. I mean, they gave it up last night.
1: And you look at the Padres. The Padres are seventh in run scored, so only the Astros, the Dodgers, the Red Sox, the White Sox, the Blue Jays, and somehow the Rays. Rays are hitting a lot of home runs. But that, you know, Padres are seven. They're going to score some runs. So what are the A's going to do? Because what's been happening lately, hitting a couple solo home runs, and that's all you get, that's not working. And this team needs it. If this team's going to be in the playoffs, they need to do They've got 88 solo shots now. 88 out of the 126. They have to figure out a way to score more runs unfortunately you're wasting some good outings i mean you're talking about a rotation that's doing its job you're talking about a rotation the a's are real lucky they've been able to say these are our five guys and i i would have thought that wouldn't have happened with a guy like mike fires not being in there but with cap going and the way irvin's pitching you you have a solidified five guys. Knock on wood. Most teams don't have that.
2: Well, wow, hold on. Uh, we, we, we got. Remember, we we're talking about Kendall Graveman. Well, sorry, I gotta gotta play it.
1: Live from the ABC Sports desk in New York. I'm Chris Townsend.
2: According to Brian McTaggart, who covers the Astros, I believe it's MLB.com. No,
1: they didn't trade him to the Astros.
2: The Houston Astros is Jeff Passing in to the Houston Astros of acquired relievers Kendall Graveman and Rafael Montero from the Seattle Mariners for Abraham Toro and Joe Smith.
1: Oh my God. They traded in division.
2: So it's a uh it's a Ricardo, uh, it's a Ricardo Rincon situation. He just has to walk across to the other clubhouse. Ah, uh, My God,
1: that is bad news. So you just gave the Houston Astros the team you're chasing. How gutless is that? The team you're trying to track down, you just traded your closer to. Come on, what other sport does that happen?
2: I I don't understand. Uh, And you didn't, I mean, and you got Abraham Toro and Joe Smith. Joe Smith's like 40 years old. No offense to Joe Smith. He didn't. He sat out last year because of COVID, but he's like 36 years old. And, and Abraham Toro, I mean, he was the guy to fill in for Alex Bregman. He's a nice complimentary piece. He's not a big name. He's not going to win you a World Series if you're if you're Jerry, Jerry Depoto. I don't. Uh, I don't understand that.
1: You just did a deal with the team. You're you're six games back with over two months of baseball to play. I mean, who's to say? I mean, what what do you, that poor fan base? You think about how excited they were when they beat the A's on Sunday with the roof open, the sun, their fans are going nuts. So you just take three out of four from the A's. You kind of reel in the A's a little bit. Now you go to Houston, you get a dramatic win, first night in Houston, and then the next day you trade your closer to them. That's just dirty. I mean, you just really helped out the Houston Astros' chances of winning the West. And really hurt the A's, as the A's are five games back heading into tonight.
2: night. sorry, I'm I'm still like confused by this. It just doesn't make sense. And then now the Astros, now they're one of the eight. Now they're one of the eight teams that are linked to Max Scherzer oh, as Scherzer well.
1: Used, and I'm I, I I I might just turn the computer off. I'm out of here.
2: Uh, well, if, well, think about it. If he goes to Houston, uh, you got him and Grankey, two of the oldest starting pitchers in baseball in the same rotation. And I then, hey, a lot of money. yeah. And here comes Ver, Verlander. Here, here comes Verlander pitching in September. He's going, like, hey, you know, my arm feels great. I'm coming back. Yeah, Jesus.
1: <laughs> I can't have, like, like, why would you do that? Why would you trade your closer to the team you're chasing? I mean, your ball club's hot right now. You win two more games against Houston, you walk out of here being only four games back with two months of baseball left to be played. You know, I'll tell you this. This is one where you're the commissioner of baseball, you don't like this. That is a really, really bad look for your sport. Because one of the problems that you have is you have teams not trying. And when you have teams that are not trying to win, it's just a bad look. It really, really is a bad You have a team that hasn't been to the postseason since 2001. And now you're starting to sniff it. You're starting to feel it. And you trade your closer to the team that you're chasing? Now, we've done a lot of taped interviews today, so we're not going to be able to ask people about Kendall Graveman. Are you sure this is – is this is this official?
2: I mean, Passon has it. Now Ken Rosenthal has uh-huh. it. Ryan Davis, who covers the, the the Mariners up in Seattle, said, sources said the news of the Graveman, of Graveman being traded to the Astros did not go over well in the Mariners' clubhouse.
1: Oh, livid. I don't know if they did a, a – we're not even playing tonight. Yeah, you don't right. care. We're out of here. Hey, guys, book a steakhouse somewhere in Houston, and we're going to the steakhouse and tell the manager to bring his credit card.
2: Oh, no, they're playing they're, they're playing in Seattle. That's even worse. Oh, it's in Seattle? Yeah, they're playing in I Seattle.
1: It, I thought it was in Houston. Oh, even worse. Yeah, it's even,
2: it's even worse.
1: Can you imagine what that game's going to be like tonight? When the news around Seattle that you just traded your closer to the team you're chasing? Oh, boy. This is where baseball just does not get it. These front offices don't get it. Like this is like this is bad. It's a bad look. Here we're surrendering even though we're right on your tail and we just beat you. We're going to surrender. What did they get for him?
2: Joe Smith and Abraham Toro. Now, let me let me pull up Joe let me get up Joe Smith's age. Um I want to say he's like 35 or 36. Joe Smith is 37 years old.
1: Oh, my God.
2: And Abraham Toro is 24 years old. He's hitting 211 this year for the Astros. Oh, my God. So there you go.
1: For a guy who has become one of the best relievers in the game.
2: Yeah. Oh, and And, Rafael Montero, who throws really hard for them as well.
1: and, And, oh, by the way, he's cheap. You're not paying Kendall Graveman anything. He's making, like, the minimum.
2: Uh, real quick before we get to Jesse Rogers, this is more from Passon. Mariners are far from done. They're still looking to add players per sources and could be very active over the next 72 hours. So they have another reliever, really, Paul Seawald, who's been really good for them, too. He's probably going to be their closer now. But they're still going to be active being buyers. So that's why I said they can be a buyer and a seller where they got rid of Gravemen, but... You got,
1: but you got rid of great. Like we couldn't come up with a better package yeah, than a thirty-seven-year-old yeah. and a guy that can't hit. Uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's what you gave up. Yeah. Hey, take this old dude and this other guy who can't hit, and give me your closer. Because uh, last time I checked, you you need multiple guys to be good to win in the postseason. So are are you telling me now they're going to go out? and trade for another reliever, a guy that who makes more money than Kendall Graveman, this does not – hey, listen, I know I'm just a talk show host. This does not make sense. All righty, earlier today we caught up with Jesse Rogers from ESPN, and what's interesting about him, he's based in Chicago. So we'll ask him about the new left-hander that the A's got. Here is Jesse Rogers. It's always great to get have you back on the program. How are you?
4: Doing well, doing well. Looking forward to the rest of this week where we'll see a lot of names change teams. And then, uh, you know, it's always fun. The final two months, teams know what they have. Um, You know, no waiver wire trades anymore. So once August 1st comes, everybody knows what they have. And it's a race to the finish.
1: Well, we know Chafin has been really good for the Cubs and the A's have acquired him. Uh, He's a character. Tell us what we're getting with this left hander.
4: Yeah, I think Chicago kind of brought out his personality. It was kind of hidden, I believe, in um, in Arizona. Uh, fun guy. I mean, he looks like an old school guy. He, he belongs in the 70s. He's got the mustache going, the goofy hair. He belongs in the bullpen in the 70s smoking a cigarette. That's that's the look. And he um, plays it up. You know, I don't, I don't know, again, if, if, if people sort of brought that out of him previously. But I think his personality really, really shined in Chicago. So you'll see that. And you'll see some some devastating stuff. He doesn't really trick you. I mean, it's just good, good hard fastballs some some decent off speed. Um, and that's it. He comes right at you. So I think it just sort of all came together for him. This year, I don't think there was any sort of magic formula. Relievers are volatile. Sometimes they have good years that sort of come out of nowhere. Other times bad ones. This is one of those good ones for shaping. Let's see if it continues.
1: Well, last night was just an unbelievable walk off the way that went down. Javi Baez and then you you turn around and go, Wait a minute, scratch from the lineup tonight? What's going on there, at Wrigley Field?
4: Yeah, it's not that big of a deal. Everyone's making a big deal out of this. He, he had a bruised heel. He didn't start yesterday, so he pinch hit. He won the game. Yeah, he had some antics with Amir Garrett. It's like old news. They've they've these two have battled before. I I don't think even Reds players are that upset at Hobby for, for for getting a little demonstrative after the fact. Amir Garrett's kind of a villain. And I think in his own locker room sometimes. So um, he gave it a try pregame today. He's not going to start. He's not getting traded tonight. And I don't think he's going to be traded this week. He is a free agent at the end of this year. So uh, to me, it's much much ado about nothing. I think other people maybe from the outside looking in are, are wondering what's going on. But he's got a bad heel. He heard it a couple days ago. And you know, maybe a pinch hits and wins it again tonight. But let me tell you something. I mentioned um, before we went on about bullpen guys with bad ERAs. Amir yeah. Garrett, what is he doing in baseball, to be honest? What is he doing pitching on a major league mound with a 7-plus ERA? Every time he enters the game, the other team scores. The red bullpen is the worst in baseball. Amir Garrett's a big part of it. So forget about all the antics. He's a bad pitcher right now.
1: Well, I, I got to tell you, we just got down with a with a four game set in Seattle. Every game is well over three hours. Not a whole lot of action. Not a whole lot of balls put in play. I don't know what the commissioner's office can do, but at some point they're going to start looking around, going, "This game at times is unwatchable."
4: Yes, and that's the thing. Some will say it's a great game. But there are more and more – I mean, it is a great game if, if you just look at it from 30,000 feet, but more and more nights are like you're talking about. Um, last night was a great example. I mean, it's it's a nine-inning, 6-5 game. Granted, it's a close game. It's 6-5, not 13-12, over four hours. I'm talking about Wrigley Field last night. Yeah. Over four hours to complete a nine-inning game that isn't 21 to 21-20, right? I mean, 6-5. to five. So this is the problem. Games like that, 3-2 to two go – you know, three to two, two to one, go on forever. Once in a while you get a huge high scoring game. Okay. That deserves four hours, but there's four and more games. Like you're talking about. Um, they're, they're searching, they're searching for answers. I think a pitch clock is going to be one of them. And I think that uh, impacts the hitter as much as the pitcher. I see many hitters stepping out. Jose Brady of the white Sox comes to mind. Um, pitch clock is coming. I I truly believe that's going to speed things up more than anything. I think they're going to regulate the shift. I really do. Um, it's not just about more action in terms of base hits. It's 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 less of these lefties trying to launch the ball, which means less strikeouts and actually, you know, moving things around. The Cubs trade for Dykeman yesterday. I think that's a that's an old school trade of a, of a, for a player fifty walks, sixty strikeouts, four thirty three on base percentage. To me, that's a Jed Hoyer Theo Epstein throwback trade. That's a money ball trade. I think those guys are going to start to get more. Um, sort of prominence, maybe even get paid more and more as this game tries to tr- turn back into more contact. I think Dykeman's a great example of, of a player that um, the Cubs coveted. They may not have oh, in the last five years. They were looking for launch angle. Now it's starting to turn.
1: You know, we had a couple of buddies who are broadcasters down at low A and they go, oh, the pitch clock works. The games are a lot faster. They're not playing three-hour games down there. So... Hopefully, uh, we will see that at some point. Getting back to the trading deadline, and you're in Chicago, what are you hearing about their star players? Are they going to get moved?
4: A, a few of them are. Not not the biggest of names. I don't think Javi Baez is getting moved. I don't think Anthony Rizzo is getting moved. Obviously, Chris Bryant could be because he's been on the block for two years. He's Jed Hoyer has to hear the right thing in return. He's not going to just give him away. And I know that's a cliche. Of course, he's not going to give him away but especially a sort of what we call legacy player. I'm stealing that from Buster Olney. There's a legacy player drafted here, won an MVP. You don't just give him away for a Class A prospect. If they don't like the, the right deal, he'll stay. He'll get the qualifying offer, and they'll get the compensation that way. But I do think there's a good chance Bryant goes to the Mets, Kimbrell to the Dodgers, maybe the Padres, um, maybe the Red Sox Astros. I mean, if, if you're a World Series contender you want Craig Kimbrell he's the final piece to it to a puzzle so I think it's Kimbrell it's Bryant I think Zach Davies could head out west I think uh Ryan Tepera could go to the White Sox I think there's a lot of pitchers that could go more than the position players
1: you know I think about that central with uh Milwaukee just five and five in their last 10 games Christian Yelich now uh and COVID protocol You know, Cincinnati and St. Louis and the Cubs have all been hovering around 500. I mean, all these teams are just one win streak from being being able to get close to Milwaukee. What do you think?
5: You sound like a
4: Cub fan right there. It's not (laughs) happening. It's not happening. Milwaukee's the cream of the crop. Uh, As long as they stay healthy in the rotation, they're going to win the division. They have have one of the best managers in the game, if not the best. They have one of the best rotations in the game, if not the best trio, at least. They're not great at the plate, but they're good enough. They're good enough, and I guarantee you they're going to get a hitter between now and Friday. The lead is too big.
1: So if you are the GM or president of baseball operations, and I'm calling you and you're running the Nationals, what do I have to give you to get Max Scherzer?
4: Um, You've got to give at least one or two Major League-ready players, not necessarily off your Major League team, but almost like Dykeman, you know, triple-A player having good season, you got to give a couple of those. You probably have to give a couple uh, low, lower uh, minor league pitchers. I'm thinking four, three to four players. Uh, one to two major league ready, one to two more of the pro, you know, true prospect, low A, double A variety. I, I think it's up to four players, uh, something like that for a guy like Max Scherzer. One to two that are major league ready, like would would either enter your rotation. In the second half of this year, as you, as you play out the string or would be in the rotation next year, that kind of thing, or an outfield or whatever that's ready to play right now. I mean, it's, it's like Dykman times two or three. Let's put it that way.
1: Well, and we're hearing there's so many teams, obviously, that are going to be interested in this, and especially two of the teams in Southern California with the, you know, with the Trevor Bauer situation, the Dodgers could use some starters. San Diego's going to be in. We're hearing Mets. In the end, whatever you're hearing, do you think he ends up out west or do you think he heads east?
4: I'm sorry, you forgot for a second. Is it Scherzer? Yeah, Scherzer. Yeah, um... It's a tough call. I mean it really is. I, I think that the team that's probably most desperate for pitching is the Dodgers because of the Bauer situation. The back end of their bullpen isn't great. Remember, if your back end of your bullpen's not great, you could also get a better starter because that reduces the innings on the bullpen. Like you can fix your pitching staff multiple ways. They could use Kimbrel. they could use Max Scherzer. I think the Dodgers with their farm system, with their major league roster, have probably the wherewithal to go get a guy like Scherzer if they really want to. Uh, and it's such an—I've I've been calling it an arms race out west. Chafin goes to Oakland. I think uh, the Padres are going to make certainly a pitching move or two. I don't know what San Francisco's up to. They're so good, they may—they may just be okay as is. Who knows? But I, I imagine if if the Dodgers want Scherzer, if they want Kimbrel, they're going to go ahead and get him. So I'm going to say he goes out west.
1: You know, I don't know if you've heard anything. I know you retreat, you retweeted Jeff Passan. I just, what what's going on with Trevor Bauer? Do you think we'll see him again this season?
4: No, I do not think we're going to see him again this season. Some people believe he's in line for a long suspension. Now, I, I don't know if he can be more than one year or whatever the case may be. Maybe it's one, one year after this and then can ask for reinstatement. I'm not sure the mechanics of it all, but if you are erring on the side of, oh, he's going to get away with this, whatever it is, or he's in trouble, pick he's in trouble. I think that's pretty obvious.
1: You know, the one team... You know, every 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 New York Yankee fan thinks you should go out and get an every star player and bring him to the Yankees. But the Yankees now nine and a half games back. They're back in the wild card. I don't know if they're going to be able to catch Boston or Tampa. That's kind of a two horse race. What do you think the Yankees are going to do at the deadline?
4: Yeah, it's an interesting question, because if this was five years ago or uh, like 2016, I remember they kind of fell out of the race. They retooled quickly. I, I, I would think they would do that. But Cashman and Boone might be on the clock a little bit. Now, I don't know the mechanics of, of the Yankees so well. Cashman's been there forever. But I, the, the smart thing would be to pull back, to, to retool. Uh, you're, it, it's not happening at nine games. Now, they're only three and a half out of the wild card. I get that. I would not push all my chips in. My, they're, they're probably not going to pull back, but I would not push all my chips in to go after that one wild card spot. Your rotation's not good enough to win a World Series. I think their lineup is flawed. Maybe some of this is in hindsight because I did like them in spring training. I would certainly not push all in. Um, Maybe they've earned the right to play it out. Like you don't sell if you're the Yankees, you rarely do that. They did a little bit of that in 16, and they're only three and a half out of a playoff spot. But um, you, you, you haven't earned the right to sell. You haven't also earned the right to push your chips all in. So maybe you just look, they're 13 and 23 during day games, they're under 500 against lefties. There's all these little flaws with the Yankees that just don't scream world series. But I, I'd say you, 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 let them play it out. They are over 500. You don't necessarily sell.
1: Yeah. And then you got teams that you thought they weren't really going to be in it. And then you're looking at the giants and you're looking at the red Sox. And now we're looking at the Seattle Mariners are hot. And these are all teams that you thought at one point would probably be sellers, not buyers at the deadline.
4: Yes. Uh, in fact, I've heard that they may try to do a little bit of both. Now that may change this week as they play the Astros, I believe. Like, they were maybe going to retool a little bit, go for a little run this year for the wild card, but still maintain things for the future. Like, maybe do a little buying and a little selling. But, look, if these next couple, three games go well, is it Oakland or play? It's Oakland, isn't it? Or Houston. Anyway, if they overtake Oakland, then you got to start thinking about more than that. So I think Seattle's going to wait all the way until Friday um, and and make some decisions at that point. Thank you that they're just going to sort of waste the progress they're making and 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 wait for next year. I think they're going to push a little bit. There's another situation. You're not necessarily going to push all in, but you push enough that, that you, you have a shot at that wild card, maybe even make a run at the Astros, and then you go from there. But um, I, I think they're a little bit in between, but I think they're more likely to add than subtract the way they're playing right now. Who do you
1: think – we'll end on this. Who do you think is going to be the biggest mover and shaker out of all these teams, whether you're a buyer or a seller?
4: Well, I mean, certainly the Cubs will, will, will be moving at least three players. I mean, that's that's a lot, right, three or four players. I, I think that that's a fait accompli, a complete. couple pitchers, maybe KB. So from the seller's market, I would say the Cubs, probably the Twins. There's no reason to hold on to a few of those guys, although I'm not sure how many guys are that coveted other than uh, Barrios. So I'd say Cubs and Twins for sellers. I think the Dodgers, I think they see the writing on the wall. You, They're not really um, looking like that, you know, repeat, you know, sure thing that a lot of people thought they might be. Bauer situation, Kenley Jansen blowing saves. I think the Dodgers, um, the Rays could be pretty active as well. Those are the couple teams I'm hearing about. Uh, I wouldn't count out the Blue Jays though. They're kind of far from first place as well. Um, but you know, I get it. They may want to make another uh, wild card push. They're about four and a half out. So those are the couple, uh, couple three teams I'm hearing about. Um, the Mets will probably add as well. Look, it, 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 the biggest adder probably to me is the Dodgers.
1: Well, it's always great to have you on. Be well, be safe, and let's talk soon.
4: Anytime should be an interesting final couple months. Take care.
1: I I just I can't believe this is going on. I, I'm texting people that I know in the game, going, This is this is almost criminal. The 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 Seattle Mariners have just traded Kendall Graveman to their division rival. Kendall is 4-0 with a 0.82 ERA and 10 saves. And you traded that to the team you're chasing? Unbelievable. Martin Gallegos will join us next right here on A's Cast Live.
0: Streaming from the town, AceCast Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend.
1: It's looking like Trey Turner actually might have got hurt. That's why he was scratched from the game, not because he is going to get traded. So Ken Rosenthal is saying, "Hearing Turner was has not been traded," and. Looks like it's a physical problem. So we'll keep you updated on everything that is going on. Martin Gallegos is going to join us in a moment from MLB.com. See what his reaction is. The reaction I'm getting from people is like, this is crazy. Like, what do you... Jerry Depoto, the GM of the Mariners. What, you're going to get rid of your... You got two guys at the back of the bullpen. And one guy your trade has been so good in Kendall Graveman. Like, what are you going to bring in to replace him? Or do you feel your bullpen is so good that you could get rid of him and now you're going after offense? I mean, this is not a money deal. I mean, if anything... What's Smith making four million? So there's probably a little bit less than two million left for the rest of the year. I bet you, I bet you Houston's swallowing that whole thing. You just made your division rival better. The team who you're legitimately chasing. This division is not over. The A's and the Mariners are still in this thing with over two months of baseball left. But one of the biggest weaknesses for the Astros, you just helped Band Aid. You just put a band-aid on them. Here you go. I mean, it's just, it is, it is hard to believe this I mean, this is these are the type of, of trades that are really bad for the game. You have a city that's fired up right now. A city that's been, you know, they've been they haven't had a lot to root for. And you've you, you're you're packing the house again people are can't wait to get out to partake in Mariners baseball we saw how excited they were over the weekend when they took three or four from the A's the A's won the first game and then the Mariners won three straight and they and their 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 stands were all fired up Martin Gallegos joins us from mlb.com covering the Oakland Athletics and Martin I mean it's basically it's almost criminal what just happened here between the Mariners and the Houston Astros.
3: Yeah. I'm still trying to kind of wrap my head around it. You know, um, after what we just saw the Mariners do to the A's the last three games and, and what they did to the Astros last night. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hearing that there's more moves to be made that maybe the Mariners are still trying to add. I, I guess that would make it make a little more sense, but I mean, Kendall Graven was having a heck of a year so. I mean, I'm not surprised that uh you know the trade didn't really go well over with the with the club out there. Not all,
1: not only not only is he having a great year, Martin, he's only making $500,000. You have one of the best relievers and one of the cheapest relievers in all of the game and you gave it up for a 37-year-old and a guy that can't hit.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, that I know. It, it's it, I would like to know uh you know what the thinking is behind there what what uh Jerry DePoto has to say about that one cuz I mean, like you said, he's, he's making, you know, next to nothing, the minimum. And, and you trade a guy like that away who, I mean, and then, you know, the chemistry aspect as well. I know Graveman is a well-liked guy over there and, and to trade a guy like that away in the middle of what looks like something special with your team going on. It, it's just, it's weird to me. It's, it's mind boggling. Like I can't really, you know, I can't really uh, believe it actually happened.
1: And I'm trying to think, all right, once again, you got a 37 year old pitcher with an ERA, uh, but I want to say is ER. I mean, Joe Smith. L- l- listen to these stats, okay? Versus, we we we've given you Graveman stats. Let me give you a Joe Smith. What what you're getting in return from the Houston Astros? You're getting a guy who's one and one with a seven point four eight ERA, and you traded for another guy that's hitting like two eleven. So that's what you gave up. One of the best. Like I'm, I'm 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 trying to think. We didn't have something better better to offer than that.
3: Right. Yeah. No. That that's that's the that's the crazy part too. I was thinking, you know, man, if the A's if the A's could have got a guy like Graven, that would have been great too. I mean, I only got, they ended up getting Chafin, uh, which was a pretty good add as well. But I mean, if you could get Graven for that, that that surprised me too. That that return that you just you know mentioned, it's not a whole it's not a whole heck of a lot. No, you know, top prospects or anything. I mean, I know Abraham Toro is, has been highly thought of in the past, but I mean, he hasn't really done anything at the major league level yet. So, uh, you know, it's. It's a weird one. It's a weird one. I, I don't I don't really know how to explain it.
1: Yeah, if you would have been able to pick up Graveman and Chafin, so you got a terrific left-hander and then a guy that's been lights out as a closer, and then now you're going to do that with Lou Trevino and Deekman and the way Sergio Romo's come on, Yasmero Petit, now you would have really lengthened your bullpen. And it was – there's really – we're we're talking about really no money in this deal either. That's that's also the thing when you start matching up the salaries, it's just like, I I, I, I don't get Jerry Depoto's got a lot of ex- explaining to do. And, and you know what? I, if I'm a Mariners player, if I'm a Mariners fan, I don't know what he's planning on doing, but I'm upset right now.
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I said, that that, that series against the A's. I mean, it, it felt like you know a team with, yeah, you know, had something special going on. I mean, the, the fans were into it and the, and the Mariners just seemed to have that, you know, special thing where like, you know, no matter what the situation is they you, they feel like they're going to win the ball game. I mean, and the A's have had, you know, feelings like that in the past. And um, it, it felt like, you know, a young team on the rise. So, you know, we'll see if they, if they make any other additions here, but just to, to get rid of a guy like Graveman, no matter who they end up getting it, I, I don't know. I don't understand uh, what the, what the thinking is there.
1: Well, uh, with Chafin, we know we're getting a guy with a personality and he's going to be fun to interview, but he's also having one heck of a year for the Cubs. Talk about what the, what the uh, athletics got from Chicago.
3: Yeah. I mean, one of the best uh, left-handed relievers in the game this year, it seems like just by looking at the numbers and, you know, the, the year that he's putting together in Chicago, I know he's obviously a a really well-liked guy in the clubhouse. So, I mean, it fits right in with the A's in terms of you know, guys that they like to bring in off the field, you know, personality-wise. So, um, you know, it'll, it'll be a, a big addition for them, I think. You know, they they were pretty thin on late-inning relievers who they can, you know, really rely on to be that bridge to Trevino in the ninth. And now, you know, you got Yusmero Petit, and then you, now you've got two lefties who who Bob Melvin trusts in Jake Diekman and, and Andrew Chafin. So, you know, I expect them to kind of step in and be – you know, immediately slot into that seventh inning, eighth inning role, you know, depending on matchups and, and who's, who's facing. But, um, you know, he's been good against both guys from the left side and the right side. So, I mean, it was a good pickup. I mean, it, it, you know, I wasn't really, I don't really have Chapin on my radar, uh, you know, going into it cause just cause I wasn't sure if the Cubs were going to be even selling, but, uh, you look at the numbers and then, you know, he's had a great year. So, I mean, I, I think it's pretty good to get, you know, we'll see what, if they end up doing anything else before Friday, but, um, they at least you know addressed the need that they that they had in the bullpen for sure.
1: You know, one question I get a lot in the post game show is, do the A's have enough in their minor league system to land like a big bat? You know, because their their minor league system, and I always applaud them; they always try and win, so they're never going to have a top rated farm system. But what do you, do you think they got enough pieces to go get a big name or a big bat?
3: You know, it's tough. I mean, there, you, you mentioned their, their farm system isn't great. Um, but I mean, you see all around the league, I mean, it, it's kind of tough to tell. I mean, it, it depends on the team. I mean, there, there's certain teams that might like a guy who's in the system right now who you, you, you view them and you're like, oh I don't think that guy's going to be enough to get a certain person. Like, like you saw with the Graveman deal today. Um, but uh, obviously, obviously, you know, a bat, especially an impact bat, will be in higher demand. Um, you know, there you've heard the names that are out there already, you know, whether teams are willing to, to sell them or not. I think it's still kind of developing, but um, you know, I I think they've got enough to get, you know, some type of bat. I don't know if it's like a, you know, a top tier name, like a Joey Gallo, if he were to become available or Trevor story, but you know, I think, I think they got pieces to find, you know, some type of bat that, that I think would be considered an upgrade for this lineup.
1: You know, when I think about Joey Gallo, you know, we saw him when he was red hot, right? I mean, you threw the ball anywhere around the plate and he was crushing it. And everybody's like, you got to go get Gallo. And I went, nah, I'm not so sure. Well, ever since he tore up the A's in that series, he's back to hitting two twenty two. So I'm not sure he's the kind of guy <laughs> that, you know, don't you think if the A's are going to add anybody, they got to find somebody that can make contact.
3: Yeah. You know, I mean, you look, you look at last year when they went out and got Tommy La Stella and how, how, you know, much improved that lineup became. It became, you know, much more tougher. You know, in those first innings when you had Listella and Simeon batting at the top of the order, Listella never struck out, and he seemed to be kind of a pest there, who would extend at bats, kind of like what Mark Cannon has been able to do right now. If you were to add another guy like that in the top two slots in the lineup, you know, it'd be so much. Uh, it would you know open up so much more possibilities for them. Uh, you know, a guy who can get on base for Matt Olson, because right now it seems like Matt Olson is you know continuing his tear after the All Star break, but you know, it's the guys around them who are, who have high expectations that aren't really, you know, performing up to their, uh, their career averages right now. And, and, you know, at some point, regardless of whether or not they go out and get a bat, they're going to need some of these guys, you know, especially a guy like a Matt Chapman or Ramon Laureano, who you're counting on to be, you know, a middle of the orders threat and, and help out Olson and form a formidable three, four, five, you know, those guys got to, you got to, you know, pick it up here a little bit. And, and Ramon Laureano is swinging the bat here, uh, better as of late, you know, Chapman Homer in Seattle. It's, but it's been you know pretty inconsistent for the most part. And it's a lot of guys in that lineup as well. So I mean, regardless of what they what they do, you know, they need their their own guys to start, you know, picking up the pace a little bit here and helping out, you know, Matt Olsen in that lineup.
1: Yeah, I um, mean, no question. I mean, I'm looking at the lineup right now. That's going up against the Padres. The Padres, every player in their lineup is hitting two sixty or more, except one guy. And then for the A's, they only have one guy hitting above two sixty which is Matt Olson. And I just wonder, and we really don't get to talk to the guys like we normally do. We're still in the the COVID protocol deal. Uh, but but, you know, when you're hitting two eighteen and it's almost August, at what point do you just say, to hell with it? I'm not gonna worry about my average and I'm just gonna act like, you know, starting today, it's 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 a whole new start, hit like a reset button.
3: Right. Yeah. You know, I I mean, you have to, and uh, you know, they had the off day in San Diego on Monday. So maybe that that helped guys out a little bit. I know the all-star break was a chance for some guys to reset and some guys did come out swinging, you know, okay, out of the all-star break. I know Seth Brown got off to a little bit of a good start. Mitch Moreland was swinging the bat better, uh, you know, right after he got back. Um, So, you know, you can't look at the numbers that you've put up to this point because I mean, a lot of them are are, are obviously going to be buried down. Um, And, and, you know, you just got to try to get back to your, your averages for your career, and I mean, they have guys in the lineup who we know historically have been good hitters, and you know some of them are on the older older side, but not all of them. There's some guys who are still, you know, I think could be considered in their prime who just have gotten off to bad starts, and and they've been kind of scuffling to try to get back to those those normal numbers that they're used to seeing. But you know, going forward, you just got to do what you can. You got to treat it like you know two month two month season, and just you know start swinging the way the way you know you can swing it. Well,
1: after today's news. I think what we have to root for going forward is that Max Scherzer, if he's going to be dealt, he gets dealt to either the Dodgers or the Padres and keep him out of Houston. I mean, if you're an A's fan looking at it, right, isn't that, get him out of the American league and get him to the Nash or to the Mets, whoever, just, just, just not Houston.
3: Yeah. You know, anywhere else. I mean, I know, I know it sounds like his preferred destination is somewhere on the West. So maybe send them way West to like California somewhere, but um, yeah, you don't want to see that guy go to the, go to the Astros. I mean, it, it, it would, it would get vibes of like, you know, getting Justin, when they got Justin Berlander a few years back, you know, just a guy who is obviously a, a dominant guy and a dominant postseason pitcher as well. So you don't want to see that guy in your division for sure.
1: You know, we've talked so much of, about payroll and locking guys up long-term and, you know, Matt Olson, the all-star, I've said it on this program many times, if I had to bet one A to be an MVP, if I would to put my money on it, I'd put Matt Olson. Don't you think now, with, with the way the last couple seasons have gone, if the A's are going to put their money on one guy, and if you were running this team, wouldn't you do it on Matt Olson?
3: Yeah, it feels like it. You know, I mean, he really, I mean, the way the evolution he's gone through as a hitter, uh, it's just incredible. And I mean, he's, he's an all around great player now. I mean, there's no flaws in his game before you thought, well, maybe, you know, he's a guy who's going to hit for a lot of power, but maybe he won't hit for a high average and he might strike out a lot. Well, he's not really striking out anymore. He's hitting for a high average. He's hitting the ball to all fields. Uh, he, I mean, he's looking like, you know, a contact hitter who also has a ton of power and you, we all know the defense he brings. So, I mean, all around that's, that you know, is the ingredients for a face of the franchise. So definitely, I think, I mean, if there's one guy that you would say, OK, we want you to represent our organization for the next, I don't know, however many years. And Matt Olson is definitely the I mean, type of guy. I mean, obviously, and off the field as well, his personality just fits right in here. And I know he loves playing for Oakland. He's a loyal guy. And he's, you know, lo- he loves that they drafted him and took a chance on him out of high school. So, I mean, that, that's the guy that you want to you know, represent your franchise for the next however many years.
1: And wouldn't you say they need to do it soon because every single time he goes deep and, he, and every single time he's driving and runs, he's just getting more expensive by the day.
3: Yeah, no, he's definitely made a lot of money for himself this year. And then with arbitration coming up, you know, the, the price tag will only go up. So, I mean, if you choose to go arbitration route, it's going to be expensive regardless. So, I mean, you might as well try to work something out now and uh, maybe see if you can save a little bit money whereas, you know, if he keeps this up, you're going to be saying, well, I'm, we're sure glad we signed him before, you know, he won an MVP or before he, you know, you know, blossomed into a national star. Because, I mean, you know, he seems to be heading that direction. Like, he's only going to be getting better. It seems like this is just the start of, you know, his next phase in his career being a truly elite player, it feels like.
1: You know, when you think about teams having to come up with a five-man rotation. To, to, to have the same five guys day after day after day and getting really good starts for them. I mean, you look at what cap's been able to do. You look at Cole Irvin, you know, basically you're four and five, just talk about what you've seen with this, this five, this year and what they give the the day, what they give the A's day in and day out.
3: Yeah, it's been really remarkable. I mean, you don't see that often. I know, with especially with the A's, it seems like every year, you know, they go through a lot of starters, you know, and it, it's rare for guys to stay healthy the whole year. But, um, you know, after, you know, earlier in the season, they had Lizardo in there and, and he went down and then, you know, Caprillian came up and he's established himself as a guy in this rotation. So, I mean, the starting rotation has been really, aside from that first, first week of the season or so, they, they've been consistent. Giving you quality start after quality start, one through five. I mean Cole Irvin, Frankie Montas, Caprillion, obviously Bassett and Mania have formed a really good one-two punch at the top there. So um, you know, to, for them to stick with these guys for the majority of the season, I mean you don't see that that often, and you know it kind of worries you at, at at a little bit because you know you, you figure at some point you know the innings are going to start to build up, and you know they might go through a period where you know they need a little bit of, of rest, and and you know do they have the depth to call up in the minors to to replace these guys at some point, uh, you know, we'll see if if that time comes, I feel like in August and September, that's when your rotation really gets tested and you really kind of got to kind of rely on your bullpen a little more, which is why I think the A's are are looking for, for relief help at this point. But, um, you know, they've done a great job. And I mean, without the starting rotation, especially with how inconsistent the offense has been with, if they didn't have this rotation putting in this, this type of performance, I mean, they wouldn't be in the spot they are in right now.
1: Yeah. And the thing is they're feeding off of each other. And I hear you get, you get a little bit worried about the workload, but right now, each one of these guys, no one wants to be the weak link. And just talk about that battle, that internal fun battle that they have with each other. Cause, cause no one wants to be the guy that messes it up.
3: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, they, they, they talk about it all the time. I mean, Bassett, I think is kind of the leader there. And he kind of sets that tone of, okay, let's go out there and compete with each other every day. And you know, they've got guys on here who are hungry too. I mean, Cole Irvin was a guy who never really got a shot in Philly now he's getting a shot with the A's and he's kind of determined to prove that he can be a starter in this league. James Caprillian had all those injury issues in the past and people were kind of writing him off and he's determined to, to prove that he can be that, you know, prospect that everyone was was highly touting him to be um in the at the major league level. You know, Frankie Montas has nasty stuff and, you know, we've seen him kind of pitch a lot better here recently in in Seattle, he had that little, you know, hiccup with the two back-to-back homers, but other than that, he looked dominant as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, everyone kind of just passes the baton. Nobody, like you said, wants to be the weak link. Everybody wants to go out there and, and give their team a chance to win, and, you know, majority of times, they, they're giving them a chance to win. You know, so so definitely, Uh, I mean, I, I look at this rotation, that it might not have, like, the big names, but one through five, I mean, you stack it up with the other rotation around baseball, and it, it's got to be up there with the top uh, rotations in the game.
1: Have you been traveling at all?
3: Yeah, yeah, finally been traveling here the last, uh, started in around June. So, yeah, we're, we're on the road again.
1: How is that?
3: Uh, it's been it's been good, you know. It's good to get out again and, and be able to go to other cities and, and uh, see other ballparks. We're still not able to go in the clubhouse or anything, but we're able to go on the field for BP, and, and we're able to talk to players. So um, it's nice to kind of get that interaction back again. Um, it is kind of weird traveling, just going on, on airports again and going on planes, but yeah. you know, you kind of, kind of, you know, it comes back to you after doing it for so long, but I mean, I'm enjoying it, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm lucky and glad that, that we're traveling again. And hopefully, uh, we get even more back to normal soon with the clubhouse and stuff.
1: Yeah. I remember when I took the kids on an off day down to Disneyland and just getting on a plane with the mask and everything. You're like, wow, this is yeah. weird, but good for you. You know, I mean, I, I forget what it's like to travel. It's, it's been a long time, and I can't wait to get back out on the road.
3: Yeah, no, you certainly miss it for sure. And, I mean, it's still kind of, like you said, it's weird with the masks on the plane and stuff. But, I mean, once you get there and then you kind of remember, man, this is what it's like to travel, you kind of really uh, learn not to take it for granted anymore. So I'm, I'm excited about it.
1: Enjoy the next two days in San Diego and then four in Anaheim, and we'll see you back at the Coliseum.
3: All right. Thanks, Tom. See you later.
1: Martin Gallegos from MLB.com. Everybody in baseball right now is scratching their heads. Why would you do a deal like this?
2: I got some quotes from uh, Ryan Divish, who covers the Mariners for the Seattle the Seattle Times, and uh, here's a couple quotes from Jerry Depoto. Depoto admitted that he could have disrupted some of the clubhouse chemistry and upset some players, but he believes that the players will see that they are – Trying to improve the team for 2021. The puddle also said that the trade doesn't make sense as a standalone trade, but that it will with the succession of moves they want to make. And now all the former, all the Astros beat writers are posting pictures of Abraham Toro in Mariners gear because he's already in his Mariners uniform on the field in Seattle. It really makes no
1: sense. I don't know how you made your team better. It, 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 like, why couldn't you keep Kendall Graveman and go out and make all these deals you claim you're going to make? Kendall Graveman only makes $500,000. I, 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 it just, th- there's no way you can tell me you're getting better. You could still go out and get bats and arms. And why would you trade one of the best closers in the game who's only making $500,000? How, how do you possibly get better? You've got like the cheapest, best option in the game.
2: And if I if I saw it correctly too, I can't remember which Astros beat writer was on Twitter said that uh, the plan is for him to be the not the, the closer either. It's still going to be Ryan Presley. So they acquired him to be like the eighth inning guy essentially. So he's not even going to be the closer. It's oh, he so
1: well. Uh, I mean, he could still close. But hey, Kendall's the kind of guy, former starter. He can pitch seven and eight, seven, eight, nine. I mean, he is so valuable that I, I I would get it if like Kendall was making like twenty million dollars, and you're sh- you are shedding salary to go get some bats, but you got rid of a guy who's making five hundred grand. Like it, it, it just this is one of those deals that doesn't look good for baseball. You you handed your rival essentially a closer for nothing for absolutely nothing. Like, what What could they possibly do now? What are they going to go out? Get Max Scherzer? I doubt it. Like, what What possibly are they going to do that's going to make you go, oh, I get it now. That's why you had to get rid of the guy only making 500000 The
2: The one guy that they keep being linked to is uh, our, our good friend, two-hit wit, Whit Merrifield, because uh, he's still under contract for a few more years in Seattle, or in Kansas City. But like, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna flip Abraham Toro for him in a deal? Like, <laughs> is, is that was that why? You, is, is did Dayton Moore call Jerry Depoto and go, "Hey, I'll trade you Wit, but you you got to get Abraham Toro from from the from the uh, the Astros." Oh, no,
1: no, no. You got to get Joe Smith, thirty seven year old with a seven point four eight ERA. You you go get him, and
2: Wit is yours. Well, do you want do you want do you want uh, do you want some AIDS news real quick? Yes. This is from Matt Kawahara. Andrew Chafin is available tonight if needed, Bob Melvin said. His role is flexible. Lou Trevino still in line for most ninth ninth inning slash safe situations. So Chafin is available tonight to pitch for the A's against the Padres.
1: Mark Feinson from MLB.com is going to join us next right here on A's Cast Live.
6: Hi, this is Ramon Laureano. And the
0: throw is going to be in
7: time at the plate. Laureano firing a strike all the way on the
6: line. And you're listening to Ace Cast, your 24-7 destination for Ace Baseball.
1: Are you trying to upset me? Is that what you're trying
2: to do? Well, is it because I sent you Kendall Graveman as an Astro?
1: (laughs) You just sent me Kendall Graveman in Houston gear. Are you trying to upset me?
2: I'm just telling you they're they're, they're making a big deal like they just, like the Astros just traded for uh, Mariano Rivera and the Mariners got uh, Derek Jeter back and these with all these pictures they're posting on social media.
1: And why would you help them of all people? Don't you have a soul? How could you, as a general manager, help a team that cheated you? Over and over and over again. Tony. it's business. Eh. You couldn't find 28 other teams who would be interested in Kendall Graven. No, you I'm couldn't poor. find 28 other teams. There's 28 other teams you could you could have done business with. You trying to tell me like the Dodgers or the Padres, or the Giants, or I don't know. White Sox, Rays, Red Sox, Yankee. You couldn't find anybody other than the Houston Astros to trade Kendall Graveman? How, how, how can you look yourself in the mirror after making a trade like that? A, you're chasing them in the division. B, they cheated you. Am I just taking this too personal, or or am I right? Why would you help these guys out? Why I mean, out of any team, why would you're going to take on their thirty seven year old lefty? You can't get anybody out, and then you're going to no, he's a right hander. Take on take on your thirty seven year old right hander. I knew that didn't sound right, and then you're taking on a guy hitting two eleven, but you're giving them one of the best relievers in the game. Kendall Graveman is having a phenomenal year. And his stats would be better, but remember, he was on the COVID list. He missed quite a bit of time there. Oh, now
8: what?
2: Oh, well, uh, so John Heyman tweeted, Nats say there's no injury or trade for Trey Turner. And then Maria Torres, who covers the Nationals for the Athletic, has just confirmed that Trey Turner has tested positive for COVID-19. So that's why he was removed from the game.
1: So don't- I don't know. The, I don't know the answer to this. And I don't know if you know the answer to this.
2: Can you trade a player that's on the COVID list? That's a, I don't know the answer to that question either, because we saw I mean, he's not getting traded. But we saw Kristen Yelich, Yelich reported symptoms and he got posted in the, the COVID protocols and he's fully vaccinated. But he has uh, the symptoms and everything. So he was put on the COVID IL, So he's out for at least 10 days. But, yeah, that just came out at five oh four, So two minutes ago. Uh, Nationals announced trade turner tested positive for COVID nineteen from Maria Torres of the Athletic.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't know the answer to that to, to that. I mean, maybe we could text somebody and find that out. But yeah, I mean if if you test positive for COVID, how long do they make you sit out? Is it still fourteen days or is it ten days? It's, what do you got to sit out?
2: It's ten the, I, what I saw is Yelich is gonna be out for ten days.
1: So I wonder if a guy is on that list, can you trade him to another team? All right. Earlier today, a lot has gone on since we did our tapings earlier. Yeah. <laughs> Just quite a bit. But all these guys are, ta- you know, we got to do them early because, you know, they're they're all having to report on all this. So Mark Feinstein from MLB.com joined us earlier today right here on A's Cast Live. Well, we always appreciate having you on the program and obviously a very big week for you because uh, sounds like things are going to start heating up here in Major League Baseball before the trade deadline.
5: Well, they really have to, don't they? We're, we're only a few days out from the deadline and there are a lot of contenders in need of a lot of different things and a lot of sellers looking to uh, to dump those players before uh, before they hit free agency or in some cases with some years of control left just trying to acquire some prospects to help them further going down the line. So, uh, yeah, you have to think there's going to be a lot of movement between now and Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern.
1: Well, I know for us, getting Chafin is going to be great for this show because he's 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 going to be a phenomenal interview. This guy's really out there. Uh, what'd you think about that move for the A's, helping out their bullpen?
5: Yeah, you know, Chafin's been a really good pitcher for a while, and obviously a you know a good late inning guy who isn't really phased by much. Um, you know, I think he was a, definitely a good addition for a. Uh, an A's team that needed a little bit of a boost in the bullpen. I'm not sure they're even done. There could be more more bullpen help on the way. There's a lot of relievers out there. And, um, you know, th- that's the most the most competitive area leading up to the deadline is definitely going to be the bullpen. Uh, you know, you talk about some of the big names, the Chris Bryants, Trevor Stories, et cetera. Uh, teams have to match up with teams that have needs at those positions. Every contender out there needs bullpen help, whether you're the Astros, the A's. Uh, You know, the Mets, the Dodgers, the Padres, everybody needs bullpen help. So those relievers uh, are going to likely bring back the biggest returns.
1: You know, it's so interesting when you're one of the sellers and you have a piece that other people want. You want to hold on to it as long as you can to get the best deal. But then again, you don't want to get stuck keeping that piece. Just talk about that dance between the buyers and the sellers as we get closer to the deadline.
5: Yeah, well, that's why I think the relievers, you're going to see a lot of those guys wait until Friday to move um, because the fact that so many teams are in need of bullpen help, you can, you know, if you're a seller, you can get, uh, you know, two, three, four, five teams in a bidding war for a guy, you know, Craig Kimbrell, uh, Richard Rodriguez in Pittsburgh, Ian Kennedy in Texas. Uh, you know, guys are going to want those, those pitchers. And if you can, you know, as the deadline gets closer, the urgency is created and, uh, and the bids can go up, with the position players, it's not as, as you know, cut and dry. And, uh, you know, if you've got one or two teams that are interested in, uh, you know, in a Chris Bryan, in a Trevor story, then you have to decide, is the price that's on the table the best we're going to get? And is that price worth it compared to making them a qualifying offer when they hit free agency and getting the compensatory draft picks uh, at the end of the first round? So there's a little bit of a dance there. Um, like I said, the market is a little narrower for the position players, which is why I think you could see those guys move in advance of the deadline.
1: So you've been tweeting about Max Scherzer and where he potentially could be going, leaving the nationals and trading away the three time Cy Young award winner. Where do do you think he ends up on the West coast or do you think he ends up on the East coast?
5: I would, I would put my money down on the West coast. Uh, I've, I've talked to some sources who said that he has a strong preference for going out West uh, he wants to go to a team that he could potentially re-sign with next year. Um, you know the Nationals are in a bit of a downturn, and uh, there's some question whether they're going to be real contenders next year. Uh, and Max Scherzer, you know, going on his 37th birthday, uh, is at a spot in his career where you know staying in a rebuilding situation and uh, is probably not what he's looking for. So you look at the Dodgers, you look at the Padres, you look at the Giants. Um, all three of those teams have the financial wherewithal to the re-sign them. They're all contenders. They've all got great cores. And, uh, you know, it would not surprise me at all if he winds up on one of those NL West contenders.
1: And with the Dodgers, you still have, wouldn't you say, the unknown of what's going to happen with Trevor Bauer and his problems away from the field?
5: Yeah, no question about it. And, you know, Clayton Kershaw's on the injured list. So the Dodgers rotation, as good as the Dodgers are, uh, there are some questions there. Julio Arias has already surpassed his career high in innings. So you have to wonder, uh, you know, how much can the Dodgers count on him come the end of the season uh, you know, Kershaw's health is a question, Bauer's future in general, not just for this season, but uh, long term is a question. Uh, so adding Scherzer to that rotation would certainly be a boost for the Dodgers as they try to figure out a way to repeat as World Series champs.
1: The amount of star power in Southern California right now with all the great players on the Dodgers roster Obviously, they just won the World Series. You got Otani, you got Trout, you got Rendon in Orange County. Then you got Tatis, you got Machado. I, I mean, just talk about just the firepower and the star power between those three teams in Southern California.
5: It's really amazing. That's it's almost become the epicenter of Major League Baseball. Uh, when you think about the stars that are out there, with you know, you didn't even mention Mookie Betts is, is one of the best players in the game. You know, Betts, Trout, Tatis, Machado, uh, Bellinger. Otani, he have got just some incredible players uh, playing within 90 minutes of each other. And the fact that two of them, the Padres and the Dodgers, are, uh, you know, rivals in that NL West. Forget the fact that a few hours up north, you've got the Giants having this unbelievable season. Uh, sort of what people expected to be sort of a last hurrah as guys like Posey and Crawford and Belt are heading towards free agency. Uh, the Giants are going to have a lot of money to spend this winter, too. So they're not going to go away quietly. You know, they may bring some of those guys back. They may go out and, uh, you know, bring in some other free agents. So California is really very impressive in general. And, of course, you know, the A's have have been a contender all year. And every year people sort of underrate what Oakland's going to be going into the season. And then every year Oakland goes out there and just continues to play winning baseball. So uh, really, really fun time to be a baseball fan in California.
1: And then I think, you know, A's were just up in Seattle for four and we lost three of four and you're looking at Jerry DePoto, who probably thought, well, this is a rebuild year and they got young players and all of a sudden they are right behind us. And we were hearing that this last series was really going to decide for them. Are they in or are they out? Are they sellers? Are they buyers? I got to think now, don't you think Mark, that they got to be buyers?
5: I would think so. And I mean, there's no GM in the game who loves trading as much as Jerry DePoto. So the idea that he can trade, uh, you know, to to acquire players to try to win this year, got to be pretty exciting for him, given what they've gone through the past few years. So they've got a really bright future. I don't see them going all into the point where they're going to trade guys like Jared Kelnick or uh, Julio Rodriguez. You know, those guys are, are the guys that they're counting on to come up and be a big part of the future. Now that they've turned the corner on the rebuild. But if they can make some moves to try to get a wild-card spot, uh, you know, a lot of teams don't look at a wild-card spot as being all that, uh, you know, big of an accomplishment. Mariners haven't been in the playoffs in 20 years, and uh, that's, that's a big thing up there. You know, when, when the Mariners are good, Seattle, as you know, is a great baseball town. Uh, I remember my first year covering Major League Baseball was 2001, and the Mariners had that 116-win season. Uh, And I was out there for the ALCS with the Yankees and Mariners, and it was electric. And that ballpark gets really, really exciting when Seattle is good. So uh, I think DePoto will make some moves to try to upgrade his roster right now um, in an effort to get to the playoffs. But I don't think it will be at the expense of the, uh, the next five or six years.
1: Yeah, they 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 got a fever up there right now. I mean, they we, we saw it on Saturday and Sunday playing these really close games and T-Mobile was absolutely packed and it's just crazy to think that everybody in the NFL, everybody in the NBA, everybody in the NHL and 29 other teams in Major League Baseball, everybody's been to the playoffs since 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 the, since the Mariners, I mean, since they got in and that that long ago. And that's just crazy to think that every of the major professional sports teams in this country have been to the playoffs and they haven't Just
5: why It's completely insane, actually. And you think about, they've had some really good players during that stretch too. It's not like they've been sitting here with an awful roster. They've had some years where they've had winning records and been close, but they just haven't been able to get over that hump. And, uh, you know, you think about Felix Hernandez's entire career, uh, you had one of the the best pitchers in the game pitching up there and they just couldn't, couldn't get over that hump. So, uh, you know, Seattle is a great sports town. We've seen it with the Seahawks. Uh, you know, when they've been good and, and they've had this run here in the last 10 or 12 years, um, you know, how, how much the city gets behind them. And we've seen that with the Mariners. And so I think Jerry DiPoto owes it to the fan base and to the guys on that team and, and the manager Scott Service. And, you know, they, they've had a really impressive year where they've gotten to a point that nobody thought they would be. Uh, so I think they owe it to them to, you know, go out, get some reinforcements, don't mortgage the future to do it. Um, but they've got they've got enough prospects out there. They've got enough players that, uh, you know, Jerry Jerry's a very creative guy, and I think he'll make some moves to try to, uh, you know, try to boost their chances to get back to the postseason.
1: So with all your sources and everybody you're talking to right now, has there been a name that has shocked you to a point you go, wow, I can't believe that guy's available?
5: Not really. You know, this stuff is covered so, so much now that, every possibility is basically thrown out there as an option, right? I mean, for, you know, 10 days ago, I would have told you the Nationals are not trading Max Scherzer, the Nationals are not making any huge selling moves. Then they go out and have a bad 10 days, they get swept by the Orioles, and now all of a sudden Max Scherzer is the most coveted guy on the, on the market. I would say if there's one player that surprises me, um, the idea of Washington trading Trey Turner seems like, uh, you know, a bit of a, an out there scenario. And I think the only way Turner gets moved, because he's not a free agent, he's got another year of control. Um, the only way he gets moved is if a team comes to the Nationals and says, here's a deal you can't possibly refuse. The reason I don't think that's going to happen is a team that is that um, you know desperate at shortstop, there are some rental options out there, Trevor Story, Javier Baez, who will cost a lot less than Trey Turner, and could have a similar impact on this year's race. So Turner is probably the guy whose name is out there that, uh, that surprised me more than anybody else. Let's end
1: on this, whether you're a buyer or a seller, what you're hearing out there, who do you think will be the most active team?
5: Well, I think you look at the Padres and, and just (laughs) AJ Preller's history tells you that he is not going to be quiet during this trade deadline. Uh, So I, I would not be surprised, you know, they've already made a move um, and, and I don't think they're done. So, you know, they already added Adam Frazier, a a player that they didn't really necessarily need, right? They had Jay Cronenworth as an all-star at second base, uh, but Frazier can play the outfield. They're going to move him around a little bit. Uh, and they've added a good bat to their lineup. San Diego is a team I always am watching for in terms of being aggressive. I think the Mets have a move or two in them. Uh, I, I think a lot of the contenders out there will, We'll try to make a move to sort of augment those rosters leading up to it. Uh, I think Houston's another team to watch. They, they understand that they've got some challenges in the, in the AL West with Oakland and, and Seattle. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, I think they could be aggressive in, in, in boosting up their bullpen and possibly getting a starter as well.
1: Well, we always appreciate your time, especially during this time of the season where we know you're so busy. So be well, be safe, enjoy this deadline, and let's talk uh, in a couple
5: weeks. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on.
1: Well, things change really fast, and that's what it's going to be like the next couple days. Who knows when it's going to come down. It's just a different landscape now that you don't have the waiver wire process. You've got to get it done by Friday. If you don't get it done by Friday, you're not not able to get anybody. So I'm going to send out a text, Cody, to one of our friends in the front office to find out that answer. You know, because Trey Turner is rumored to be potentially on the move. He now has tested positive for covid I don't know if it's the variant. I don't know if it's COVID-19. I don't know. We just, this has just come down. So can you trade a player if he's on the COVID list? I'm assuming you can, but I think it's a legitimate question.
2: No, I think so. Because Turner was one of the guys that's like one of those like late ads to the, to the, uh, trade market. Cause you know, everyone's talking about Max Scherzer. Well, I guess Mike Rizzo and the Nats said yesterday, literally everyone in the Nationals is available besides, well, not named Juan Soto. So, well, I guess Steven Strasburg too, because he's out for the whole, he's out for the year because he's going to have the thoracic outlet syndrome surgery, the same one that Trevor Rosenthal had earlier this year. So Strasburg uh, hurt again. He signed that major deal after twenty nineteen, and he was hurt last year, and uh, he's hurt this year. So not looking good. Right. Not looking good so far.
1: Got that World Series, got that contract, but ever since then, that thing's been a bust. That's been a total bust. And you rewarded the player for what he did for you in the postseason, but what a a wonderful talent that guy is, and also he's just someone that just cannot stay healthy. And the Nats, who went from winning the World Series to – who knows what their future is? I mean, you really have no idea. we have any more new news?
2: Not right now. Uh, Kendall Graven just spoke to the Astros reporters. I, was, I I, pulled the audio. I'm trying to get it for us. And he was pretty emotional talking about being traded. And uh, so I didn't get a chance to listen to a lot of it because I was recording it as it was going on. So if we play it, it's going to be the... Uh, I'll be hearing it at the same time you will, um, but I'm sure he didn't. He doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to be up there dropping F bombs the whole time.
1: No, uh, I, I I think we can play it. We'll be okay. Yeah, but it's got to be it's got to be demoralizing in some ways. I mean, you you're with these guys, you're starting to build something, you're starting to feel it. The city's starting to feel it, and I guess it would have been easier if it was in Houston, but you're at home, and now. You know, R- R- Rincone was on the road here at the Coliseum. We go back to the Money Ball, but I mean, Kendall's at home, and you get that call, you're going into the other clubhouse. I mean, you don't you don't think these guys have not thought about and haven't been asked about being the first Mariner team to make it to the postseason since 2001?
2: So is it the run they're on?
1: I mean, I, I guarantee these guys, these guys have gotten real close together. And you appreciate, if you're Kendall Graveman, the opportunity the Mariners gave you and to revive your career after really struggling with Tommy John. If you got to, if you got. when did we have Kendall on?
2: It was last year we had him. And I have the audio too, but it was last year around like, I want to say August, I think we had Kendall on, so August of last year.
1: And you know he he was he, he liked being an he liked being a Mariner and he wanted to be part of the group that turned it around and they're starting to turn it around and then wham you're traded you're going to the other clubhouse and, and, and let's face it teams in the AL West hate the Astros they literally hate the Astros so if you've been an Angel you've been an A you've been a Mariner you don't like those guys you now got to go join those guys. You got to go join the cheaters. All right. You got Kendall Graveman.
2: Yeah, I do. Uh, Kendall Graveman. This is Kendall Graveman a little bit ago. Speaking with the, uh, well, I guess his new, uh, beat
6: writers, the Houston Astros.
2: Walk us through how your day went. Uh, did you make it to the
8: park before you heard?
6: Yeah. Normal day. Making my rounds in, in that clubhouse. And, uh, you know, about to come out for stretch and throwing five minutes prior to that. Um. I just get called in the manager's office, and uh, Skip's in there, and, uh, and Justin, and just a conversation, how hey, you've been traded. You know, it's not my first time being traded, but first time in a season to be traded. So I understand the business of this game. I understand um, how, how things can happen quickly, and I was a little bit shocked, to be honest. But um, I'm excited to put on this jersey. I've competed against this team for a long time. I know the talent that's on this team and it's it's exciting to come lock arms with them for the last two months and, and beyond you know, for Houston, so I'm excited to be here. I think a lot
2: of you guys wanted to stick around with the Mariners because you felt like something was happening there. Uh, is it disappointing to be traded uh, or do you feel like you're in a great situation?
6: It's a little bit of both. Um, you, for me, I told the guys over there, I feel like I'm a builder at nature. Um, whether Not even in the game of baseball, just anything. I like to build something from the ground up and see it flourish. And I think that um, I've invested a lot of time over the year and a half uh, to help Seattle get back to winning baseball and the atmosphere that was here the last five days. So in that aspect, it is a little bit, it's tough, um, the relationships that were built. Um, to leave clubhouse staff and officers that I know in the bullpen. Um, that's, that's tough. I'm not going to lie. As a human, that's tough. But at the same time, in the same breath, wow, what an exciting opportunity to come here and to be a part of a winning team and a winning culture that's already been built and to step in and um, you know talk to Dusty. Is, I have no ego. Uh, whenever you need me, I'll be available to pitch. And I told Scott that when I was over there. So um, my goal and my job is to go out and execute pitches and get out whenever he feels the time is right for me to come into a baseball game.
1: Can you, I mean, just imagine that lifestyle. You literally show up to your job and you've been told, go over to the other clubhouse. Can you imagine if your life was like that? Like you walked in. And I had to call Cody in. Cody, uh, I hate to tell you, I just trade you, uh, trade you over to the Giants. Pack your bags. See you later. I mean, and you don't even get a day to think about it. I mean, normally you you have what? How many? It's like two days you have before you have to report something like that. But these guys are just switching clubhouses and switching uniforms. And here you go. What a crazy business baseball is. Mark Sweeney, longtime player and broadcaster, and now a broadcaster for the San Diego Padres. He had three stints in San Diego, played in L.A., played in San Francisco, played in Colorado. He's Mr. National League West, but he's now a broadcaster for the Padres. He'll join us next as we get you ready for today's action down at Petco right here on A's Cast Live.
0: Connect Junior Mints Minis have the same great dark chocolate and mint flavor combination that you love with Junior Mints. The only difference is that Junior Mints Minis are made with 30 percent more chocolate than regular Junior Mints. This makes them perfect for snacking. Made for today's consumer, real dark chocolate and peppermint, no artificial colors, peanut, tree nut, and gluten free. Junior Mints Minis, a snackalicious way to enjoy chocolate.
1: This is Chris Townsend for the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek. Great news! Our indoor dining is back, along with our beautiful patio dining. Come taste our world famous chicken chicken pie that has been served in Southern California for 83 years. The Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek has one of the most dynamic menus plus a full bar. Pot pies, gourmet burgers, sandwiches, salads, flatbreads, and more. Don't forget we still do takeout and delivery. For all the information go to chickenpieshopwc.com. That's chickenpieshopwc.com.
8: A's fans,
1: there is no better way to stay in touch with the A's and even our players than following us on social media. Just head over to athletics.com slash social that's athletics.com slash social for a full list of our social coverage from player accounts to Twitter handles and more. Now is the time to stay in touch. Head over to athletics.com slash social that's athletics.com slash social today.
2: Hi, this is Shamanaya, and Shamanaya, has no hit the Red Sox. And you're listening to A's Cast, your 24 7 destination for A's baseball.
1: Mark Sweeney came to the big leagues with the St. Louis Cardinals in 1995. Then he was with the Padres in 97, 98, Cincinnati, 1999. Then a two year stint in Milwaukee. 2000 to 2001 then back with the Padres in 2002 then with the Rockies in 2003 2004 then back in San Diego again in 2005 then then with the Giants 2006 2007 and why not end up in Los Angeles 2007 2008 is Diamond Diamondbacks didn't want to get in on that make sure he played for every team in the NL West.
2: Uh, I mean, how many guys can we say that we know have played for every team in the division?
1: How many guys since the gun to this format? How many guys have played for every team in the division?
2: Let's see. Ricky played for Padres, Dodgers, never played for the Giants, so that one's out. He played for Blue Jays, Yankees, Red Sox, never played for the Orioles, never played for the Rays. Ricky never
1: played for the Rangers.
2: Yeah, okay, so, okay.
1: I mean, that's, I mean, so, like, you'd have to play for the Red Sox, the Rays, the Yankees, the Blue Jays, and the Orioles. There's no way someone's played for all of them.
2: That, you know that's a question for? It's a question for Sarah. She would know. <laughs> <laughs> so, has anyone
1: ever played for the Astros, A's? I'm just going where we are in the standing. Seattle. Anaheim and Texas.
2: Oh wait, here it is. There's an article. After trade to the Red Sox, Steve Pierce becomes the sixth player to play for every team in one division. Um let's see who are they. It is Matt Hurges, he played for every team in the NL West, Cesar Asturias, whose son plays on the Mariners in the minor, Mariners minor league system. I believe it's the Mariners. Um Steve Finley played for every team in the NL West, Kelly oh. Kelly Johnson played for every team in the AL East. Mark McLemore played for every team in the AL West. And Steve Pierce played for every team in the AL East. Cesar Tourist, every team in the NL Central.
1: So 150-something years of baseball, only six guys have done it?
2: No, this article's from 2018. It could have happened since then. That was three years ago. But still, it's pretty pretty impressive.
1: Well, yeah, years ago, you just had the National League and the American League. But it'd have to be in modern-day times when uh, the divisions weren't as big. Mark Sweeney will be on the broadcast tonight for the San Diego Padres, and he joined me earlier today on A's Cast Live. Mark, it's great to hear your voice. Thanks for coming on the program again. Oh,
7: I appreciate it, Chris. Thank you for having me on.
1: And I think the next two days are going to be pretty exciting. Two teams that are, are in it. They're going to, be, going to be buyers at the deadline. Of course, you know, Padres chasing the Giants. We're chasing the Astros. This should be a fun two days down at Petco.
7: Yeah, I think every minute we're refreshing our Twitter just to check and see if anything else happens. But yeah, to your point, these are two talented teams that um, whether it's uh, America League versus National League, uh, these are very good teams that uh, expect to see a very good game tonight.
1: And there's such a... uh a revival in the fan base down in San Diego. As you know, when we look at the highlights, the stands are packed. Uh, the team's got a lot of swagger. They've got the chain going. I uh, just yeah. talk about what baseball is like down San Diego right now.
7: Chris, to your point, uh, you know, the, the Padres front office had a reopening day because of the challenges with, with the beginning of the year, as you know, the restrictions of how many people, how many fans you could come in. And when it went hundred percent capacity, uh, I've never seen anything like it. I've seen some playoff atmospheres, obviously, as a player, um, as a broadcaster. Um, you didn't see anything like that. I think everyone is just ready to be excited for this club. Um, they're excited to just come and, and 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 basically take on a baseball game at Petco Park. It's a beautiful field. But I've never seen the energy like that, and I've described it the best I can is it's almost like a world baseball classic where you have the, you know, the, the, the horns, the, the drums, all of that stuff. You guys know everything about that with the fan base out in left field in in Oakland. Um, it was like that throughout the whole ballpark. And I was just, I I was happy for the players that came up last year. Uh, we've mentioned too the guys that were rookies last year, they've never had an opportunity to play in front of people let alone play in an atmosphere that you're expected to win, they're excited for you to win, and they can't wait. So um, I love the fact that Jake Cronenworth, the all-star second baseman here, uh, gets to play in front of fans and passionate fans that expect them to win.
1: Yeah, and it's always a lot of fun when you see a, a city just latch onto a team, and we're starting to see that in Seattle right now. There's a revival with the Mariners. But I think down in San Diego, especially since the Chargers left, went north, uh, and they're playing in los angeles so, you know other than san diego state really the padres are the only game in town so it's good to see and just talk about this revival with this this exciting team and the fan base
7: yeah chris to your point uh, i think when the chargers left it was a gut punch for a lot of people here that were passionate about having a major sport in their city um you know much like uh, up in oakland i'm sure they were devastated they lost the uh, you know the Oakland Raiders, but uh, when you lose something like that and you don't have another major league team, the shift focuses uh, the focus shifts to to a team that really is on the rise, and you start looking at the Manny Machado's. Obviously, Fernando Tatis Jr. is the talk throughout baseball, but you go around, you have Hugh Darvish, uh, other pieces that have ex- expectation to go out there and challenge the Los Angeles Dodgers and obviously the San Francisco Giants as well. So. Um, it, it is a revival around the city. Everyone's talking about them. And I'll tell you this from a player's perspective, uh, when you have a playoff race in San Diego, it usually snowballs. Well, this hasn't snowballed. It started right from the get go. So many people are excited about this roster. They're excited about the young talent on this team. And they also understand, too, they have an opportunity to go out there and challenge the Dodgers.
1: You know, when, when you're a player that doesn't have a very good batting average, and cause I think you're going to see tonight with our, our lineup is, you know, we're built to hit home runs, but unfortunately we're just hitting a lot of solo home runs and the offense has struggled lately as a player when you're hitting, I don't know, 218 like Matt Chapman is right now, yeah. how, how, how do you just not look at the scoreboard? You, you put the numbers away and just realize what I can do from this day forward, or is that even possible?
7: Yeah, it is a, it is possible. I I think these guys this day and age, and what I marveled about with, with other players that were in that scenario that were everyday players, uh, they really compartmentalized game from game. And I always say this to uh, one of my good friends was Greg Vaughn in 1998 when we went on this playoff race, and he had 50 home runs. Well, that year was an all-star year. Uh, everything was going well for him, but he still had those nights where he felt like man, he just struggled, whether it was two or three strikeouts, a bad night, maybe a double play. And I'd I'd look at him, i go, man, are you okay? And he goes, tomorrow's guy's got to pay. And (laughs) the reason why I say that is I think that's the mentality of a lot of these guys that are very mentally strong. And sometimes you're challenged by looking up at the average, but everyone knows what they're doing. But they also understand, too, And Matt Chapman is one swing away from changing that up. Um, a a solo home run. That's a one run victory changes your mentality. And this game is really one of those things that you you have certain expectations when you have a certain resume. And I think some of these guys are still trying to build those with the younger players, but also some other guys just have the confidence that, you know, a matter of time, it's coming and I'm going to be the one that's carrying this offense.
1: You know, I look at the Giants, I look at the Dodgers, and I look at the Padres. All three of these teams are 5-5 five and five in their last 10 games. They're yeah. all close. But is this really the first time that you've got the sense that the Dodgers really are vulnerable?
7: They are because you have the injuries. Uh, you have the situation with, with, with Trevor Bauer uh, that is really uh, something that can devastate a locker room, can change different thoughts. Um, but yes, I mean, to your point, when you go through a, a world series championship, typically you go through a lot more adversity than most other teams do. And I think the Dodgers are doing that. That being said, they're only two games back and the giants understand those are the, and I think the Padres do too. Those, that's the team that you have to beat. Um, whether you're the giants of first or not, uh, they have eight division titles, uh, for a reason they've been consistent. They have talent. They also have guys that come up and step up at the biggest time. So I think that's the challenge for the Giants and the Padres. And like you said, five and five is not going to get it done. You have to go on some, some really good stretches. And I think if really the Pirates and the Giants need to prove that to themselves and try to take out the, the Dodgers. And I think that is the challenge moving forward.
1: Now, A.J. Preller is a, is a wheeler and dealer, and obviously Adam Frazier from the Pirates just got traded to the Padres. What else do you think he's going to do before the
7: deadline? It's interesting. Uh, everyone's in play. Uh, there's all kinds of different scenarios, and typically we didn't hear Adam Frazier's name bandied about around here, and he makes that trade, and obviously getting another all-star that you can you can go out there and be versatile. You can put him at second base. You can put him on the corners in the outfield. I think AJ Preller really focused on trying to do that this off season with his staff. And they've done that. They brought an all-star caliber player in there that's going to help them, especially on base percentage. You talked about the batting average, he leads major leagues and hits. Um, he adds a lot of dynamic to this, to this roster. And really it's the compliment pieces that are going to get it done for you. Like I mentioned, Jake Cronenworth, I think Adam Frazier fits that bill. Uh, go out there and, and, get some hits, try to set the table for the big guys in the middle of the order. That typically is a good success. But I would say, honestly, Chris, he's looking for a starting pitcher. He's looking for a reliever. But if he can get both, I think that's that's great. But if he can get one, I still think it's a team that has expectations to go out there and win. A roster that has the ability to do it, it's about matching uh, your ability with results. And if they do that, uh, they can be a successful team down the stretch.
1: In your career, and you you had a you had a really good career. You played with and against some of the greatest players of all time. Yeah. Knowing, knowing that, where do you put Fernando Tatis? Does he look like one of those
7: guys to you? He looks the part. I always reserve this because everyone wants to say, you know, the I mean, the phrase "goat" and uh, the best I've ever seen. Uh, all of that type of stuff, uh, he has to stay on the field, in my opinion. And if he stays on the field, uh, the sky's the limit for this guy. The energy that he brings, the enthusiasm, uh, even though if you look at the defensive errors, uh, he makes a defensive play at the right time uh, that, that helps you athletically. But, man, on the base paths, um, hitting the ball out of the ballpark, obviously, but also being the energy of this club. Um, the sky's the limit for him. I don't want to put any labels on him, but man, if he stays healthy throughout this career, he's going to do a lot of great things. And um, listen, I, I think that's for other people to say, but I'm just glad that he's on the Padres and I get to watch him every night. Have you put on that chain yet? <laughs> no, man, that's not that's not for me, Chris. I, I, like, I'm not a chain guy, but man, I, I like it because this day and age in the game of baseball, there's a lot of, of fun. They're enjoying themselves. Uh, Manny Machado introduced it, and man, they're having a lot of good times with it. I just hope that chain uh, really resonates in the playoffs and then continues to go on and possibly get a World Series championship.
1: I've always wanted to ask you this about your career. You were like an all-world quarterback in high school, and I know you signed to play football, but then you didn't, right? You just just played baseball. Why is that?
7: Well, I went there as a freshman. I went to the University of Maine to play football and baseball, and I gave it up after I gave up football after my freshman year. Just realized that the you know the chances for me to, to go to the next level if I did was going to be baseball. Uh, but man, this that's my first love. Uh, football continues to be my first love, even though baseball has been so great for me. Um, it's one of those things. I was fortunate enough to have two sports and be able to uh, have a choice. And uh, I think I made the right choice knowing that I had the career I did in baseball.
1: I don't know. You could have been the next Steve Young.
7: <laughs> well, I love Steve Young. I was a Jim Zorn fan back in the day. Believe yeah. it or not. <laughs> Seattle. Uh, that's why I'm still a Seahawks fan. But I love the left-handed quarterback, and Steve Young was a great one.
1: Hey, well, you guys do a great job down there in San Diego. I, I love tuning in. Uh, you, you, you guys have a, a – not only are there players having fun – but you, the broadcasters, you guys are also having a lot of fun.
7: Well, we are, Chris, and thank you. Uh, it, it, we we enjoy it. Uh, Don and, and Mark Grant have a have a great time on the broadcast. We try to do our best to, to enjoy ourselves and have fun because it is a game of baseball, and you're doing it every day. So uh, we love uh, doing what we're doing. We're very fortunate to do what we're doing. But, man, uh, this series is exciting. I love the Oakland A's. I've always admired the uh, way uh, Bob Melvin – get these guys ready to play um, enjoyable. Cause I love that blue collar uh, effort that they always have. And uh, this, this two game series and then next week should be a lot of fun.
1: Great catching up with you. Be safe. And we'll talk
7: soon. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me on. He's a really
1: good guy. I mean, super good guy. And I got to tell you, I mean, I, I, you know, when you, when you watch every A's game, and, you know, you got the, your scorebook out, and you're keeping score. I keep score for every game. It, it, it is what it is. The only time I don't keep score is when I take the day off, which I don't take a lot of days off, but when I take a day off, I take a day off. I unplug, as they like to say. So I, you don't get to really watch a lot of other broadcasts because you're working constantly, right? I mean, think about it. We started today at what was our first taping? Two thirty.
2: Yeah, two thirty.
1: All right. What, what time? What, what's the start time on this game?
2: Seven uh, ten. So six ten. A's total access. So,
1: so since we know that A's play three hour games, three three and a half. Hours, I mean, I mean, I'm basically working from two thirty to midnight on on these days. So I'm not getting a chance to. Hey, how does the Red Sox broadcast? I mean, I don't know. But I do know a couple times that I, I've watched some of these uh, some of these Dodger-Padre games. These guys, this, this broadcast team is always laughing, having a good time. You know, some of these broadcast teams, like your Pirates, are just old and boring. There are so many broadcasts that are still just old and boring. The guys in San Diego are having a good time. They're laughing. Mark, Mark Grant is, <laughs> I mean, that guy's a character. Just him alone is a character. And how about Don Rosillo, who goes, man, I had the pressure of being in Boston. Now I can do whatever the hell I want in San Diego. (laughs) He's got to be loving it. And he's got the national gig going. Yeah. So they're they're an interesting club. I mean, that's a three-horse race right there. I mean, the Giants are surprising everybody. Are they going to do anything? Do they need to do anything?
2: Well, funny you mentioned the Giants because on this move, no, no. But on this date 10 years ago, they did make a move. What move did they make? What year are we in? 2021. So 2011, where were you in 2011 when the Giants made this major splash?
1: Where was I in 2011? I was covering a real bad A's team in 2011. Yeah, they were bad. They're bad. And yeah, 500. Uh, the 500 year was, I think, 2010. Yes. And, then, yes. and that's when Melvin, so Bob Guerin gets fired in Baltimore, and Melvin gets introduced in Chicago on which side of the city?
2: The south side.
1: On the south side of Chicago, Melvin made his debut, and it hasn't been the same since. It's been a lot of good years. Because of Bob Melvin, what did the Giants? Was that um, Carlos
2: Beltran? Carlos Beltran for Zach Wheeler.
1: That was ten years ago.
2: Ten years ago on this date, I was
1: trying to think of like who, and I can't be Pat Burrell. Uh, I was just trying to think like what, what, what major trade did they do? Like the biggest trade they made. I mean, that was a big trade. That's Beltran, man. That guy, you know. I would say this. If there wasn't a cheating scandal with him all over it, I think he would, he would have been a Hall of Famer.
2: Uh, no, I agree. Switch hitter, what he what he was able to do for the Mets.
1: Got big numbers.
2: What he did with the Ashos. Remember that push when the Ashos went oh. to the World Series.
1: He was one of the greatest performers of all time in the postseason.
2: Yeah, he was he was incredible for the, the Killer Bees, him, Biggio, Bagwell, Berkman. Uh, they were great. Uh, what he was even—he was a good Kansas City Royal. People forget that he started his career at the Royals. He was great for the Royals. He was a good old Houston Astro. Yeah, well, wow. like the guy could—the guy could hit. He was a—he was a good—he was a good Astro for a reason.
1: Oh, was he also a good Yankee for a reason? Yeah,
2: well, yeah, that's true. But
1: There's rumors, people—that hey, as Mark Jackson would say, the streets are talking. So. Thanks, Seattle, for helping out the bad guys. What a great move. If you're just joining us, Chris Townsend and the commander. It is Ace Cast Live. Uh Houston Astros traded Kendall Graveman or the the Mariners traded Kendall Graveman to the Houston Astros. They handed them a closer. Thanks. Really appreciate it. Couldn't happen to a better group of uh group of guys. <laughs> The old Houston ad. How could anybody in this division help those guys out after what they've done?
2: And, and the worst part is we started this show today talking about, you know, the A's needing to worry about Seattle and how good Seattle's been, you know, and since June 13th, they're 24 and 11 and 23 and eight in one run games. And then we're talking about how, oh, they're not going to trade Kendall Graveman. And then I look at Twitter and Twitter's exploding because Kendall Graveman and and Rafael Montero are traded To The Astros for Abraham Toro, a third baseman, and 37-year-old Joe Smith. With over a
1: 7 ERA.
2: And he's making $4 million this year.
1: Kendall Graveman makes 500 grand. Now, I I understand Jerry DePoto's like, whoa, 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 whoa. There's more coming down the line, but why couldn't there be more coming down the line and not getting rid of Kendall Graveman? It's not like you're dumping salary. Did they did they have to dump his $500,000 salary? Is that what they were worried about?
2: Uh I, I don't know. Sorry. Um Matt Kalahara posted a picture of Andrew Chafin. He he looks good in the in the uh the green and gold.
1: I was listening to him on some Chicago podcast. This is an everyday guy, right? Uh, he was talking about his boat and putting putting a new motor on his boat. I mean, he's just like he He's just he, he he's funny, and he's just kind of he's a good old boy. You know, he said, you know, they asked him about being able, you know, velocity and everything. He's like, hey, you know, I've just been bet I've just been blessed to throw a piece of leather.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and, and the shirts that he wore in Chicago was like failed starter and stuff like that, like because he's a reliever. Like he, yeah, it seems like he has a real good sense of humor. And I went back, I did some research on him too. Uh, he hasn't given up a run in the eighth inning, by the way. So if you're looking for him in a pitch in a high leverage situation, it's pretty impressive. He's given up one run all season or one home run all season. Uh, that's also very impressive. And if the A's want to bring him back next year at the age of 31, he has a five. I think it's a five and a half, like five point two five million dollar mutual option with a five hundred thousand dollar buyout. So he could be a free agent this year if they buy him out. But if not, he has a little over a five million dollar option for next year. So he could be back next year.
1: Yeah, and. He seems like he's going to fit right into this crazy clubhouse. All right, this is one of the best. Everybody will tell you this is one of the best clubhouses, if not the best clubhouse in baseball. Like if it like when he gets back home to Oakland, you think they're shooting free throws in Chicago with, 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 with the fog machine and the disco music. I think this guy is going to fit right in, but the A's need more because it's not going to matter if you can't score runs. True. You, got to, you got to do more than hit solo home runs.
2: What are we at now? Cause I've been tracking at 88. I think we're at now 88,
1: 88 solo home runs.
2: I'll see where we're at. Uh, leaderboard. I just got, we're tentatively planning for, uh, looks like tentatively, tentatively planning for Thursday to speak with Andrew Chafin. So from Anaheim, so where's he from uh i have his baseball reference page open right now I, I, he's a good old boy so um he is from well he's i say good old boy he's from the midwest he's from ohio he went to kent state
1: what <laughs> part of ohio uh
2: he is from kettering ohio don't ask me where that is but it's in ohio so it's the midwest
1: it's a city in Montgomery and Green Counties in the United States of Ohio. Almost, it's a suburb of Dayton.
2: Okay, so that's like right where Sean Murphy grew up.
1: Uh, population 56,000.
2: That's bigger, bigger than where I grew up.
1: Make it the largest suburb in Metro Dayton. But now we don't know where he lives. Who knows where he lives? I can't wait to talk to him. He is a uh, <laughs> he's a funny dude. There is no question. And I, 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 big country. Let's see. His nicknames are big country and the
2: sheriff. The sheriff. Yeah, there we go. I, I've been debating about shaving my and just going with the mustaches and just to be like him. My hair's not curly, so it wouldn't really work. But the mustache could be a thing.
1: And you don't throw ninety five.
2: Uh, no, but I well, I was never a pitcher, so I'm not a failed starter either. So uh, there's that. I failed at other things in life, but never being a starting starting pitcher. Uh,
1: what uh, what time are we done here?
2: Six. I, I wanted to bring this up to you. The Asher, or the uh, Rangers ended a 12-game losing streak. Can you hear how bad they were. I know you love numbers.
1: Uh, they were they were beaten by a lot of touchdowns.
2: Uh, so during their 12-game losing streak, they scored 20 runs. How many runs did they allow?
1: <laughs> they gave up like one night it was 18, nothing, the next night it was 15, nothing. That's what I said. How many touchdowns did they lose by?
2: Uh, they gave up 80 runs, so the, they had a run differential of minus 60. Their OPS was uh, as a team was uh, 49. their starters ERA was nine. their bullpen ERA was 4.38. In that during that span, now this is a span of 11 games, there was a 12 game losing streak, the Rangers went 99 consecutive innings without a lead. They didn't lead in a game for 99 innings. And then when they did gain the lead, they blew the game. So that's how bad the Rangers have been. They're only a few games ahead of the Diamondbacks now. So we talk about how bad Arizona's been. The Rangers are right there. And the A's have struggled against Texas all year.
1: Yeah, re- remember when I was getting all those phone calls about how the A's should be picking up Joey Gallo? And I kept saying, nah. Don't like it. But Gallo just kept ripping home run after home run against the A's. I went and checked. Where do you think his batting average is now? Because he got he got up over two thirty against the A's. What do you think it is now?
2: Um probably around two twenty. 220. Two twenty two. Is he still he doesn't lead baseball on strike I think Javi Baez still leads the league the leads is baseball and that- strikeouts?
1: Is that really what the A's need? Is another big strikeout, non-average guy?
2: Well, that's why when Cl- when Cliff Floyd said earlier when they were t- doing like their trade match thing, it was they were talking about shortstops, and t- Tom Verducci, front of the program, said a perfect shortstop match for the A's will be Trevor Story, which he almost got hurt last night. He got hit hit in hand by a uh, Otani pitch, but uh, Cliff Floyd said Javi Baez. Javi Baez is a Really high swing and miss guy. He doesn't walk. Literally, he does not – he doesn't take a walk. And uh, with strikeouts, he's like – let's see. Javi Baez on the air has 130 strikeouts, and he's walked 15 times. 15. Do I need need to bring up the
1: splits again for for Trevor's story to make everybody understand? Do I need to do that again? So anybody who says – The A's need Trevor Story. Uh, Trevor Story this year at home, six home runs, 31 RBIs, an OPS of 822, and a 291 batting average. Is that a good player?
2: No, those numbers are really, those numbers are bad. But like I said. No,
1: no, those numbers are bad.
2: Well, no, I'm thinking of, I mean, when you think of Trevor Story, his numbers should be better, but.
1: Okay that but that's his home number. Yeah yeah yeah.
2: I'm used right? to being that's, a lot much better at home. That, that
1: that's Coors Field, mile high up, 6 dingers, 31 RBIs, 291 batting average, 822 OPS. If you got an 822 as an o- OPS as a shortstop, love you. Now let's go to the road. So when he gets on the charter and he flies down the mountain, what do you think he's hitting? Like
2: 170?
1: 181. He's 100 points lower on the road than at home. His OPS at home is 822. His OPS on the road is 630. He is not a great player away from Coors Field. He's a bad player. That's in 149 at-bats. He's got a 630 OPS. I mean, I can't be the only one in the media who understands there's a big difference between playing your home games basically at mile high versus playing on the road. Like, I can't believe everybody, that's ever Story. With him. I mean, you're not looking at what he does on the road. He's a completely different player. So I'm going to give up top prospects to get a guy who's hitting a buck 81. And now you're going to bring him to Oakland where it's cold at night, a lot of foul ground, tough to hit home runs. You think now he's just going to show up in the green and gold and play like he does when he's a Rocky? I would not gamble on that.
2: Plus he's injury prone too. I mean, again, he got hit he got hit in the head by Otani last uh, Otani, o- o- not Otani o- o- last night, and he stayed in the game. But I mean, if you're the Rockies, that's a pretty scary situation. Uh, quickly before we're out, I didn't realize Otani was fifth in the league in uh, strikeouts, not pitcher strikeouts, strikeouts as a hitter. Otani struck out 116 times right now. He has the 35 home runs he leads baseball, but he struck out 116 times already this year. I didn't realize he had that many strikeouts already.
1: But you know what? With him, it's not bad because he makes contact.
2: He has an OPS over a thousand. I think I'll let it slide.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, he still went last, last? I mean, this is off the top of my head. He was hitting around two seventy.
2: Uh, he's hitting. Uh, Otani is hitting two seventy seven.
1: Two seventy seven. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna lead the league in jacks and hit two seventy seven, okay, so you strike out. But that's okay. By the way, and I just wanted to look this up in the A's notes. Elvis is hitting 271 over his last 67 games. You got to remember, he started off so bad. But if you're telling me my shortstop plays a pretty good short and he's hitting two seventy-one over the last 67 games, I don't think Elvis is the problem.
2: No, it's just that... The A's have the second lowest team OPS from the shortstop position. That's why people are panicking about shortstop.
1: That's not – the the problem is your third baseman isn't hitting. The problem is most of your outfield's not hitting. You're not getting a whole heck of a lot out of your DH. Elvis isn't the problem, right? That's not where – if I look to say, hey, why are the A's not winning game in and game out, or why are the A's struggling offensively, I'm not going to go Elvis, I mean, for God's sakes, Bob's been putting him up in the order at times because he's been hitting and making contact. You got to get Matt Chapman going. You got to get uh, Ramon Laureano, Stephen Piscotti, Mitch Moreland. What you got to get these guys in offensive positions to start hitting, or or it doesn't matter what bullpen guy you you, you pick up. Now there, there, there could be one thing, and I know we got to get out of here, but the Mariners are hot. Does this move derail the Mariners? I
2: think I, I think it could.
1: I, I'm I'm not buying. There's some grand project coming up here, and that the Mariners are going to make all these big moves. I, I if they do, I'll, I'll go. Okay, I, I just don't see it. I really, I don't think. Jerry Depoto, this was supposed to be a rebuild. He's I I I don't I don't think Max Scherzer or who would be the best bat on the market.
2: Well, Trey Turner, but who knows?
1: Joey Gallo, right? Yeah. I don't think Joey Gallo's going to Seattle, and Max Scherzer. I don't think there's this is some grand plan. Or or, not buying it.
2: Or Craig Kimbrell.
1: Yeah. Okay. so you're going to dump. Graveman and his 500 grand to pick up th- that kind of money with an, what's it 18 million with a next year is it's a, an 8 million buyout. I, for, for
2: I have to look it up. It's, it's, it's. Heft- yeah.
1: All righty. We want to thank everybody for stopping by A's cast live. All you fans, Jesse Rogers from ESPN, Martin Gallegos and Mark Feinson from MLB.com and then Sween Dog. Mark Sweeney from the San Diego Padres. What are we playing next?
2: Well, we only have a few minutes, so it's just going to be a couple commercial spots leading up to Ace Total Access with you.
1: Beautiful. We'll see everybody in a couple minutes. Thank you for listening to Ace Cast Live.
0: This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.
8: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.